Yeah, it is about that time, y'all. I'm Benjamin Denton. I'm John Hinton. And we are absolutely thrilled to be coming at you live on one of the premier college radio stations in the nation, keeping you up to date with the latest and the greatest with all the pack sports on WKNC. I am absolutely super, super, super excited to be on the show today. John, how are you? I'm doing good, Benjamin. How are you today? On this I'm actually very cold Wednesday. Not super cold, but cold Wednesday. This cold is enough a very Wednesday. fall-like Wednesday. I'm thrilled, honestly. And I love it. I was maybe the only person beside you and me were the only people on campus wearing shorts, and I'm honestly disappointed because I don't, I don't like. I this was this wasn't cold, but it wasn't warm. Exactly. I think shorts in cold weather is just my favorite thing because you can get the hoodie that's you know it yeah. keeps your upper body warm and then the shorts because you always got to be ready to gotta be able to vent got to like, be able to break ankles at oh, any exactly. time at Dropping any times, time man. yeah of course so what's on the docket <laughs> for today's show we're definitely going to talk some men's and women's soccer for nc state uh going to go over some cross country uh both of our teams had uh some big meets um men's and women's tennis uh wrestling women's golf volleyball uh, definitely going to talk some NC State football. Uh, we got a bye coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina Panthers and the NBA season getting underway. Yeah, we got to preview that bye week on the on the football season. Yeah, I think we're going to lose. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the W there. So to open the show, we're going to talk about men's soccer. Yes. And they had a decent to a very good week, depending on what part of the week it was. We hosted another top 10 opponent in the ACC. Last week, we hosted number six, Virginia. Yes. Um, actually, NC State is unbeaten in their last five games. They have won or um, had a tie, a mm-hmm. draw, in each of their last five games. Um, we tied 0-0 with Virginia, which yep. um, is a very even game. I mean, honestly, Virginia outshot us 10-9. to They had four shots on goal. We had one. Uh, Virginia had 12 fouls. NC State had 10. Um Honestly, that's just a very solid defensive performance, you know. Yeah, especially against a top a top ten opponent like we with the game I was at where we hosted a top ten opponent, Wake Forest. We looked overmatched physically, and we were able to kind of hang with them for the first half. Right, but they were able to take their talent and turn it on in the second half, and we didn't allow Virginia to do that. And we came out of the match with a point in conference play. Exactly. Anytime you can get a point against um, an ACC team, let alone a top ten, almost top five uh, team in the country. It's a win for your offense and defense, obviously. Yeah, and the Pack have like one shot on goal. They were obviously playing further back to kind of be conservative and more playing for the draw than the top 10 team would be playing. Yeah, so the Pack stay at, well, not stay at, but improved to 7-4-3 and three on the year, 2-3-1 and one in conference. That's a very solid record that, um, I mean, going through a very tough schedule in the ACC, one of the, the best uh, soccer conference. Yes, absolutely, and that was their tie. They, their, they got their seventh win of the season yes. a little later in the week versus in-state UNC Wilmington. And yes. They defeated the Seahawks, I think their mascot is. Yes, they're the Seahawks. <laughs> Two to one. Yeah, um, that was one of the first goals that we have allowed in a couple of games, honestly. I really? think it was, yeah, um, 258 minutes of game action without conceding wow. a goal in a row. Consecutive. I'm, that is, I'm trying to do how many times 90 goes into that. Less than uh, that's three. Almost yeah. three almost yeah, that's three. almost three games. Yeah, that's almost three games um, without a goal. And that's just unbelievable, honestly, from our defense. And uh, the Seahawks, they scored in the 80th minute after we took a one nothing lead in the first half. So they kind of rallied at the end, but then in the 85th minute, we just took the lead right yep. back. Addie yeah. Taiwo, the striker, made the game-winning goal five minutes after the Seahawks tied it. Yeah, talk about um, great offense. Manny Perez had both assists on nice. both the goals true against UNCW. Yeah, a true freshman. He's got a bright future with us. Yep, uh, the goal in the first half of the pack was uh, Clayton Sparks. He opened the scoring in the 18th minute for them to take a one to nothing lead. And so the pack went one win and one tie. And like we said a minute ago, seven wins, four losses, and, a t- and three ties for their record for they the year. They play number five Louisville on Saturday. Another top five opponent. Number five in the country. Unreal. Wow. Unreal. And that's at Louisville. And we've been struggling on the road. We did pick up. We've only had one road win this year. And that was fairly recently against uh, uh, Pittsburgh, I think it was. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, are we on the road against Louisville? Yeah, yes, we are. We yeah, are at we're, Louisville. We're on the road against Louisville. Um, 
if we come away with a tie, if we come away with a tie, that would be ab- that would be huge would. for our soccer squad. Would our it men's be a soccer win? Squad. No, but would we consider it a win? Yes. Yes. Getting all technical terms, the men's soccer wasn't the only soccer program for NC State to have a good week last week. The women's yeah. soccer, um, they were recognized nationally. One of their players, Lulu Guttenberger, that is an amazing name. I just want to say, <laughs> was honored last week by being included in the top drawer coaches, top one hundred freshmen in the country. Yeah, she was listed at number 31 in the country, which is an incredibly high ranking considering yeah. that we're in the ACC. That, um, However many uh, freshman soccer players are in the nation to yeah, be exactly. the 31st best. I mean, I, cool. I imagine there's a lot. Most schools do have women's soccer, te- women's soccer teams. Um, she's from Germany, which, I mean, they have a lot of good soccer in Germany. So it probably so. would be pronounced Gutenberger rather Gutenberger. than Gutenberger. Yeah, I yeah. think that's how it's pronounced. Gutenberger. Still an amazing name. Yeah. So she is the only freshman on the team and one of only six players to start all 14 games. She leads the team in minutes yeah. at 1,225 minutes. Yeah, she's definitely our most important defender. I mean, she only has one assist on the season, no goals. But, I mean, still, just playing for that long and um, showing great endurance as a freshman, that that's really key um, in ACC play. Um, I mean, a lot of our games have been... A lot of our wins have been shutouts because our defense packs yep, it in eight, and we can still get at goals. this point in the season. Yeah, eight shutouts at this point in the season, and she's been a huge contributor to that. Well, later in the week, we hosted Syracuse, and this was on Speaking Saturday. of shutouts. Yes, speaking of shutouts, this was the eighth shutout, so this was after she was named to that list. So we defeated Syracuse 3 to nothing to get that eighth shutout. They were led by two second-half goals from Ciara King, who just continues to be impressive and be amazing for the women's soccer. Yeah, she was quoted as saying, I always look to improve every year. I got my eighth goal to tie last year and passed it today, so that's exciting. But at the end, it's just about helping my team. As long as we're getting the results, that's what matters. Um, I think when she scores, I mean, just being on the field, when you're that much of a threat to score, it certainly helps our team. Yeah, I was there. I was walking up to the stadium as I heard the crowd cheering for it for her first goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched her second goal, and what I didn't know about women's soccer was that they don't limit the substitutions. At least it didn't appear that way, because it was twice that, in just the time right, I was you, there. You can take starters out and put them back in later in the game in, in college soccer. Oh, in college soccer. Okay, yes. I was con- like, yeah, because the World Prof- Cup is the one that's like, you get three subs. Professional uh, soccer is like, you have a limit amount, and then it's also like baseball, where once you're taken out, you can't come back in. Ah, so that's, yes. well, Ciara King was taking out, there was a couple other players, and they, they had a rotation going, so I was pretty impressed with that. The second goal was literally all her. It was a, it was a pass to the left side of the field where she hung out most of, the, most of the time that I was there. She was one-on-one, got to the top left corner of the box, gave a little shimmy shake, little, little tricks with the ball. I, I kind of lost where the ball was. <laughs> just did one touch to her right and just blasted a shot around the defender's leg, and it curved. I was behind her. It curved around. Into was that the, outside of the box or inside yeah, the just, box? Yeah, like just outside of the box. It curved around the goalkeeper. That is beautiful. And they were up <laughs> two to nothing. So that was just icing on the cake. It was yeah. a fantastic goal. Yeah, at that point, uh, I think throughout the game, we outshot them. The uh, We outshot Syracuse 16 to four. Eight shots on goal. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, 50% of our shots were on goal. That's very efficient, honestly. Our keeper, Sidney Wooden, only had to make one save. Yeah, I watched that That's... in the second half. That was actually, it was a really fantastic save. There was a through ball, and it wasn't called offsides. I don't think it was, but it was kind of that hesitation is, was that offsides? And that just allowed the defender was just trying to catch up to the ball before Wooten got to it. Right. I thought she wasn't going to get there, but yeah. she got there and made the save. Yeah, if you keep the keeper clean, you're going to be a good team, honestly. Yep, and it's so the, the way Wolfpack, it is. that was her only save of the game. The goals by King were scored in the 60th. In 82nd minute, and the Wolfpack next play Clemson tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Dale Soccer Field again. So you have to go out and support the pack. Oh, yes. And there's more people for the men's games, but I will say the people that are at the women's games... Our, are, our women's team is better relative to, yes. to our conference and our, our competition. But the fans there are really, really into it. They're calling all the players by their first name. I assume a good amount of them is family of the players, but there was just people coaching from the stands, calling out players like, "Hey, watch this! Uh, so and so, go there!" It was, it was, and there were there was a lot of kids. Both soccer games, there have been an insane amount of like, just little kids. That I, I guess they're part of clubs or whatever that go there. They did stuff at halftime for the men's game I was at. 
So that's good that we're getting the kids. It's a great family event to it, go yeah, to. Yeah, it's a, it's a great environment. I've only been to one soccer game this year, um, and like it, it was just a great environment. Uh, I went to the the one against uh, Wake Forest. Actually, I came in at the end, mm-hmm. but yeah, but it, it, I mean, it was still a great environment just because it was a ranked team, and I mean, I need to go to more, honestly. Yeah, they're really yeah. fun. So mm-hmm. that's tomorrow night. The women's is hosting Syracuse at seven p.m. Moving on to cross. Country, yes. The NC State women's cross country team went to the Nutty Comb Invitational, and well, both teams went to the Nutty Comb Invitational, and the women's team finished third at that at that uh, Invitational up in Wisconsin. Yeah, they're ranked number seven in the country, and they finished uh, behind two teams. Uh, I forgot which ones they were, but two teams that are ranked above them. Um, Let me look just real quick. And the men's team. Is not quite as good as the women's cross country, but they upset uh, eight ranked teams, and they are not ranked, but they finish her- higher up than eight teams that were ranked ahead of them. Yeah, NC State uh, finished right behind uh, San Francisco, who finished second with 126 points, and New Mexico finished first with 87. In case you don't know, in cross country, the points work a lot like golf, mm-hmm. where the higher you finish, the less points you get. Yeah, you- as a team collectively. Didn't you, uh, you and I were talking about this before the show, just so I could, you know, know what we were talking yes. about. But yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure they take your position mm-hmm. and just add it up yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So the Wolfpack finished third in the men's, uh, they finished 15th, but they beat eight, eight ranked mm-hmm. teams. Yep. And so. this was an, a really deep field. There was 36 ranked teams there. I'm guessing that they rank 50 teams. And yeah. That's so what they do. Yep. 36 out of the 50 best teams in the country were at this meet. And the, some of the top finishers uh, from the meet, who were, who were some of the top finishers, John? Uh, Dominique Clermonti uh, finished sixth, uh, 16th excuse me, in the 6K with a time of 2013. Ellie Haynes right behind her. She finished 22nd with a time of 20 minutes, 15 seconds. And for the men, Elijah Moskovitz finished um, 51st overall, running a 24-21 in the 8 kilometers. And Tannis Baldwin was right behind him, finishing 85th. With a twenty-four or thirty-seven, so they were only sixteen seconds apart, um, Elijah and Tannis, and yet they mm-hmm. were like thirty-four places apart. That's how close these races really are. And Claremonte is a true freshman. Yes, she's a redshirt freshman. Actually. Redshirt freshman. Yes. So mm-hmm. still to be able to lead her team in in a in a huge meet like that. Yes. So the cross country is doing well. Yes, and we also had a meet at ECU recently. And uh, freshman Ian Shanklin, he finished uh, second overall in the 8K with a time of 24 minutes, 10 seconds, which is a personal best, uh, a ridiculously fast time, honestly. Wow. He also ran unattached, so he paced himself. That's honestly So what does a attached versus unattached mean? Attached means uh, when you run as a group. So if you watch the Olympics and you watch the the mile, the six, the 1500, mm-hmm. um, after the first lap, they all group together so that they can keep pace with each other. And it's not necessarily, um, official probably. So it's not an official thing. It's not an official thing. It basically means, are you running with like a partner or two mm-hmm. or three other runners who are about the same speed? Um, unattached just means like you're just much faster than your teammates or much lower. Yeah, or you're just going at a better pace. Like, if you watch a NASCAR race and somebody's out way ahead, they'd be unattached, but everybody else would be attached. So, at ECU, uh, fresh, uh, freshman Ian Shanklin, or, yeah, Shanklin, finished with it. Yeah, you just talked about that. Yeah. Gavin Gaynor uh, finished 21st with a time of 25 minutes, 18 seconds. Uh, just to show you how fast Ian Shanklin really was, uh, he finished over a minute ahead of um, Gavin Gaynor, and yet they were um, only 19 spots apart. Wow. Yes. That, that is impressive. Is in- impressive performance. I uh, could not do cross country. <laughs> that is a lot of running. Honestly, the toughest uh, mental and physical sport, in my opinion. Uh, Rebecca Greengrass, uh, for our women, finished fourth in the 6K, and Rachel Bartolomeo finished fifth in the 6K. And they were five seconds apart with times of 21.47 and 21.52, respectively. Wow. So... Yes. Green grass. Green grass. Yeah. Running on that green grass. Wow. That is a good name for cross country. She was country. just destined for cross country. <laughs> so moving on to tennis. Uh, the a doubles team of Alexis Gallinar and Michael Ogden. Gallinar. Gallinar made it to the finals of the ITA Carolina Regional. That was the first time in school history that they had that any NC State doubles duo had made it that far. 
Unfortunately, they uh, fell to Wake Forest's Christian Seraphim and Julianne Theobinski in the final at Cary Tennis Park, but they did beat a duo from Duke to advance to the finals. Yeah, they're ranked number 14 as a pair. Um, pretty strong showing, honestly. I mean, it's pretty tough competition, ACC. Duke's always good at tennis, so yeah. beating a Duke team is good. Yeah, and obviously we're really good, too. Yes. So that's tennis. Yeah. Wrestling, <laughs> for the first time in school history, the NC State wrestling team will be sending a pair of wrestlers to compete in the NWCA All-Star Classic, that main events. Two guys are senior Kevin Jack at 141 pounds and uh, Pete Renda at 184 pounds. And this is a preseason event that's going to be held in New Jersey on November 5th. Yeah, um, Kevin Jack is ranked number two nationally uh, for his weight class at 141 pounds. And Pete Renda is ranked number three, excuse me, nationally in his weight class at 184 pounds. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Could you take him, John? Pete Renda? Absolutely not. No, I weigh 160. I probably couldn't out-wrestle people in the 120-pound weight class. <laughs> I don't think I could out-wrestle any. One of my best friends in high school was a wrestler in high school, and he he's now in Korea uh, serving our great nation. Mm-hmm. But he used to just say, hey, Benjamin, you want to learn some wrestling stuff, which was just code for him just putting me in these ridiculously <laughs> painful holds to just humiliate me. But I, he's, he was a good friend. So uh, a quote from the coach is, this is a very prestigious honor for both Kevin and Pete. This will kick off the season with a lot of excitement. The NWCA does a great job of promoting this event and going back for the fourth straight year. Yeah, Kevin Jack, uh, we mentioned he's ranked number two in the country for his weight class. He finished third at the NCAA championships last year. And Pete Renda redshirted last year. So Pete Renda is a redshirt freshman and Kevin Jack, obviously, with some experience placing third in the championships last year. So Renda isn't exactly a freshman. I think he redshirted due to injury. Last time he was in the NC State a singlet, he was he upset four top 10 seeds in the 2016 NCAA championships. So he wasn't a redshirt freshman, but he did redshirt, and I'm assuming that was due to injury. Okay. So we are looking forward to those two guys. By the way, Pete Renda, that is absolutely the name of a, a Clint Eastwood character in a movie. It really? has to be. I'm not saying it is, but it should have been. Uh, Clint Eastwood should have been in a Western as Pete Renda, the Renegator. Anyway, women's golf. The NC State women's golf finished seventh out of 18 teams in the Tar Heel Invitational that they competed in last week. Uh, some of the tournament scores uh, tied for 13th, Laura Cole uh, shot uh, 211, and then tied for 32nd, Crystal Hang. Wang. Wang. Crystal Wang. There's a lot of A's and U's in there. Well, there's just <laughs> one a, U and an A. That She finished with 217, so the women's golf had a decent showing at the Tar, Tar Heel Invitational. Yes. Uh, they returned to action on October 27th through 29th. Uh, the landfall tradition in, in Wilmington, uh, that's their fourth and final tournament of the fall season, which is not as major as the, the spring season. So the spring is, season is the, the big the one. The spring season is more important, yes. Okay. But it is a year-round sport, technically. Well, we're moving on to volleyball. Volleyball has been doing very well lately, and they haven't stopped doing well, although there was a huge setback this past week, John. Yeah, we lost one set in a match, but... I can't believe we did that. It's Why a, would we go and lose one set? I know. It's a sacrifice you have to make to be undefeated in conference play. That's the first time in program history that has happened. Yes, Uh our volleyball team, 13-6 and six overall, but 8-0 and oh in the ACC. Um, yep. Considering how tough of a schedule they played, we've covered that on the show before, um, they are looking incredible right now. Yep, they swept Virginia to move to 7-0 and oh yes. in the ACC earlier. That's 12 out of their last 13, make it 13 out of their last 14. Yep, because they did drop that set, and it was the first set of the game to Virginia Tech. And so that's the only set they dropped in, in the, the month of October. Yep. Yes. And October is actually getting disturbingly close to being over and yeah. i feel like it literally just started finals are approaching oh but. goodness you had to mention it <laughs> yeah dang it uh brie bailey um against the t uh against the match or during the match against virginia tech had 17 kills mm-hmm. uh tenny sopitan had 16 and julia brown had 12 um up next is unc and that game is actually tonight at unc at 6.30, yes. And you can watch that on uh, ACC Extra. ACC Network Extra, yeah. If you have ESPN, it should be on there. Um, that It's one of the 
first chances, or it would be the first time that we've swept UNC in, in school history. Yeah, in the conference. Because I think we beat we swept them in the 80s, but they weren't one of us wasn't part of the ACC in volleyball. I Interesting. Think. I know it was a weird it was a weird way I read it. Okay. Well, anyways, we haven't won in Chapel Hill since 1997. 20 years. That I think, was I think it's I high was time. Born. Yeah. Honestly. Were you born in 97? 97? No, I was born in 1998, March oh. 5th. Yeah. So um, I'm older than you. I, I get that. That's why I'm <laughs> running the board and I'm steering the ship, John. This is seniority here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, NC State defeating Pitt. On, su- on Saturday, we're going to talk some Carolina Panthers that lost to the Eagles and preview their game coming up versus the Bears. And the Charlotte Hornets season is starting up, and that's tonight Yes, at 7 o'clock, and we're going to talk about the Charlotte Hornets season and that game tonight. And breaking news, I just found out from Jamie, our amazing person that runs the radio station here, that the show has been approved to be on iTunes in the next 24 hours. So if you are an Apple person, you can go on there and listen to the show. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Go on iTunes, uh, download our podcasts. Should be a lot of I fun. Don't have, if you ever miss a show, they should be right there. And I'll have to take your word for it because I don't have any Apple products because <laughs> I just I just boycott it because I don't I don't like MacBooks. Okay, because everything's in reverse. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> we have the weekly trivia question, and yes. since the Hornets' season is starting tonight, what is this week's trivia question? Our trivia question for this week is, who is the leading scorer in Charlotte Hornets history? Now, this would include the original Hornets franchise, the Bobcats franchise, and the current Charlotte Hornets franchise. Mm -hmm. So, not necessarily the New Orleans franchise, which of course was the original Charlotte Hornets, but um, any team that was in Charlotte. There you go. Who is the leading scorer? I did not guess this within four tries, which I'm very disappointed in yeah, myself. Yeah, I, I got it wrong the first time, and I consider myself to be a huge Hornets fan. So Yes, yeah, same uh, here. Give us a, a, or shout us out on Twitter at PackageLifeNCSU if you know the question and or the answer to the question, and we will shout you out on our show. Absolutely. But last week, the, in, the football team played Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, got the sixth win of the season. We're now 6-1. and one. We're undefeated in the ACC alone, Woo-hoo! all alone atop the Atlantic Division is getting a little bit cold up there, being all by ourselves. Yeah, with that game coming up against Clemson in two weeks. Yeah, that game is going to decide a lot. Honestly, um, it it's I'm I'm really excited. It's going to be a big win, but we got to focus on Notre Dame first. Yes, that's our so that's first. That's our really next game. Yeah. Yes, but yes. that's two weeks from now. Yes, but against Pittsburgh on um, on Saturday, some of the stats from this game, and I'm just going to throw these at you. So the uh, Wolfpack actually had less first downs than Pitt. And, and less time of possession. Exactly. And I'll tell you, there's two big reasons for that. They were touchdowns by Naheem Hines, a 93-yard punt return for a touchdown, which was the longest punt return in school history since 1926. And there was an 83-yard touchdown run by Naheem Hines. Those are the two reasons that we didn't have time of possession because those are very quick touchdown drives. Yes. Um the best thing about this game, I think, was that we outrushed our passing game. We or our rushing outgained our passing game, mm-hmm. which typically both of them have been a strength. But on a day when Finley, um, he went fourteen for twenty-five, which is okay. It's under sixty percent. You know, it's manageable. He didn't throw any any interceptions. But as a team, we rushed for two hundred and forty-eight yards wow. on thirty-eight carries. That's a six and a half yards per carry average. That That's truly dominant, yeah. And I think it was best exemplified when Jalen Samuels had that 40-yard touchdown uh, to, to, ice to basically game. ice the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, Samuels had two touchdowns in the game as Samuel, well. Yeah, Samuels had two touchdowns. Naeem Hines had probably definitely the most yardage of anybody because of his um, 80-something mm-hmm. yard touchdown run in the first half. I mean, he was everywhere. He, he had looked, over 200 yards all-purpose in the first quarter yep, of the game. because both of those huge plays were in the first quarter. Samuels, yes. by the way, is second in the conference to Lamar Jackson for the most touchdowns overall. Uh, Jalen Samuels, to me, is like the Cam Newton of his position. Because mm-hmm. he gets he never gets a lot of rushing yards. He gets a lot of rushing touchdowns. And he's very efficient when he runs the ball. And that's a that's a really weird comparison, especially. I know, I was, I was waiting biased. for the explanation, but, but that makes sense. Uh, Cam Newton actually is 2,000 yards behind Michael Vick in quarterback rushing yards, but he has way more touchdowns than him. I think that's what makes Jalen Samuels such a special player 
is that he's so effective in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And he's so effective in not necessarily clutch time, but towards the end of the game when defenses are getting gassed, he doesn't really run out of energy, honestly. I've n- I've never seen him look fatigued in the fourth quarter. I think that's just yep. um, – it shows his work ethic and just his training. Yeah, and the coaching staff's uh, utilization of him. Often, when if you go to Wolfpack games, as you should, he will be in on first down, and then they'll take him out for second down. First and, and third. And th- yeah, they bring him back in for third down. And, you know, I'm always discouraged to see him go off the field. But, you know, he's he even though he doesn't look like he hum- isn't human sometimes, he is human and he does need that rest. So I, I'm, I'm glad that we utilize him in that way. I think it's all... Um, excuse me. I think it's awesome too how if you look at the the usage rates for him based on mm-hmm. quarter and half, it's almost equal. Like the half to half, he's used like uh 50% of his uh rushes and catches come in the first half, 47% in the second half, and his quarters are split up very evenly as well. So I think that's another um just reason. Very... It it shows again like the game plan from Dave Doran yeah, the coaching and our staff, offensive yeah. coordinator. Yes. And of course, anytime you're six and one and nationally ranked number sixteen and seventeen in the two main polls, everyone's going to be talking about what a great job the coaching staff is doing, and that can change next year if they're not in a good record. So, uh, Samuels wasn't the only one to have a big game. So Hines finished the game with 249 total yards of offense. He had 135 rushing yards, which was his third straight 100-yard rushing game. Uh, Kelvin Harmon had three catches for 113 yards, which was his second straight 100-yard receiving game. And uh, Samuels had the two touchdowns. Jermaine Pratt, the safety turn linebacker, had nine tackles and one tackle for loss. And Darian Roseboro, who was wearing a uh, a special uh, patch. Yeah. It's either a sticker on his helmet or a patch on his jersey for his dad. It was a sticker on his helmet uh, with his dad's initials. Yeah. Um, that, that was a great moment, honestly. When, um, In case you don't know, Darian Roseboro recently lost his dad. Um mm-hmm. But he got a sack late in the second half, and uh, you could see he was pretty emotional about it, pointed up to the sky, and then just got it back on defense. Got me all in the feels, man. Yeah, I mean, we're really like, Wolfpack's a family. You yeah. Know? Like, everybody on that team, all the fans, um, that that was just really great to see after um, such a tough loss. Yeah, and also, in a different way, something that else that got me all in the feels was Bradley Chubb's injury. That was oh, just, that was so nasty! It was oh. on, on live television. I just oh my goodness! I'm glad we have trainers that are just net, that nonchalant because that that trainer just kind of comes into the frame and goes, mm-hmm. "Oh, this isn't where it's supposed to be. We're just gonna put that back, snaps it back in on live TV." I think what's amazing is that it wasn't broken; it was just dislocated. What? Yeah, so it was just uh, his pinky was dislocated, basically at like a 90 degree angle. In case you didn't watch the game. Uh, he came out for four plays. He was writhing in pain on the ground. I mean, I thought... I think that was a third down play. Either it was, was third like, oh, down no. or one play later they punted. So that actually yes. helped us that he didn't have to miss defensive snaps. Exactly, yeah. I think he only missed two or three, maybe four defensive snaps. Then they set his finger back, tape, taped it up, and he came back in the game. That's the epitome of toughness, man. I, I mean, I was looking at his hand thinking like, oh, man, we got Jason Pierre-Paul on yeah, the team now. Yeah, I had now. the same thought. But... <laughs> um, Man, that was that was gruesome because he was in pain on the ground. I was trying to figure out what was wrong. All of a sudden, I just I yeah, see it. Yeah, it is. everyone saw it. Oh man! And it's really I'm, it's really uh yeah. you know kind of admirable for him to come back in the game because you know the offensive linemen are going to be hitting he, at he his hand. He didn't even need to come back in the game too. That just shows like you yeah know, his, his competitive resolve, drive, his, his com- competitiveness. Because Jay Sam put it away when he need put it away mm-hmm. anyway. So the Wolfpack picked up that win over Pitt, which was closer than it should have been for a good amount of the game. Because Finley wasn't his normal self, but there were a few drops. But obviously, in the second half, we came back and you know played like the team that was in the top twenty-five, and we're next up against Notre Dame, who has a game versus USC this week. Yes, uh, Notre Dame plays USC in a ranked matchup. Uh, I don't know if that game is in South Bend or in uh, Southern Cal. USC is overrated. But, They're overrated every single year. Yeah, but. I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. I think these teams match up well, uh, quarterback play. I mean, you look at Sam Darnold. He's had some struggles of late, but he's had a lot of pressure put on him. I yeah. think he has a good game. I, I really want Notre Dame to win so yes. that um, when NC State beats them um, in South Bend, that win is going to look a lot better. I would feel a lot more comfortable about that game if it was in Carter-Finley because we do play oh, well yeah. at home. Absolutely, which, um, I mean... 
if we had to pick one on the road and one at home, I would rather play Clemson at That's home. True. So. That's true. That's yeah. true. We haven't really had to play any really good teams at home. I mean, South Carolina was the only loss, and that was in Charlotte, which was essentially a road game yeah. for us. That, um, and speaking of, yeah. like, we want teams that we are going to beat to do well so those wins look better. Yes. South yeah. Carolina is 4-2, and two, and that was something that wasn't anticipated in the preseason. Right, right. South Carolina's having a good season so far. I mean, they recently beat Tennessee. But... Um, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. Uh, I'm like, not. I'm not writing Notre Dame off, but I feel you. I yeah. really. I expect the pack to win that game, and I mean, that's just what comes when you're six and one. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you something else though. What I was really encouraged to see was we talked about Mike Stevens on this program, and I've been really high on this guy. Yes. And he's been kind of used sparingly as they slowly bring him back from a preseason injury, but. Uh, Saturday was his first start of the season, and he picked up an interception. And yes. he was also rated very highly on Pro Football Focus's. I think there were uh, four or six. There were six Wolfpack players on the first team, all Pro Football Focus teams. Um, there were actually three on the first team. There were six on the top two teams. Uh, Bradley Chubb, uh, Jared Fernandez, and Mike Stevens were on the Pro Football Focus College ACC team in the week. Mm-hmm. which um, is impressive considering only two other schools got more than one player on there, and that was Clemson and Virginia. Um, also meant worth mentioning on Pro Football Focus's all-ACC team, uh, Ryan Finley, Will Richardson, and Ter- Tyrone Prescott, who are on our offensive line, uh, were also named to the first team. Naheem and Hines was not. I'm I'm trying to fathom that. Like, but, in my mind, my chass major brain, I can't really... <laughs> fathom how that wasn't you know what Naeem Hines is going to get it back it's okay Naeem Hines is not worried about what pro football focus thinks he's just worried about getting his rest on this bye week and then taking it to the Irish interesting stat before we move on Uh, out of the schools in the power five the lowest rate of quarterback pressures allowed NC State is number one with 10.9 percent Missouri is number two with 13.5 percent Miami is number three with 17.2%. So we're 7% better than the third best team as far as protection. And the second best team in the ACC. So um, that's just to put in perspective, like a numbers analytics perspective of how good our 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 offensive line is. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the Some defensive of that line goes, all season. Goes to Finley being just a really smart quarterback in the play calls of the offensive co- coach Drink, I think is yeah, what he's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job of mixing those dink and dunk plays, those extended handoffs to Samuels, and then, you know, we'll and then drop taking back. the shot down yep. the field when you have to. When you have guys like Kelvin Harmon and Jacoby Myers. When you like, got when you got receivers who can throw passes like we've seen all season and yep. last season. I love the uh, trick against, plays. Yeah, they're you know, the best. But. We work in, I wish the Panthers could work in more trick plays. But speaking of the Panthers. Moving on, yeah. It was disappoint. I was disappointed Thursday night, but not like extremely disappointed. Cam Newton didn't have an amazing game, but he didn't play as bad as the statistics would show. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Cam hate in the media, the news, uh, just on Twitter with casual fans. People who don't understand football, just looking at three interceptions and thinking, wow, what an awful game from Scam Newton. But, I mean, when you look at the first two interceptions, mm-hmm. you look at the film, on the first one, maybe Cam should have taken a step back, but Fletcher Cox should not be able to push two defensive linemen into our quarterback. Yeah, and that was Trey Turner, who's one of the best guards in the NFL. So that Yeah, was... Trey Turner. I mean, Fletcher Cox, yes. all pro, one of the best in the, in the NFL. Trey Turner, also one of the best in the NFL. That should not happen, you know, on a condensed pocket you it was really fast, too. It wasn't like Newton was staying there a really long time. So the first interception was mostly not his fault. Yes. The second one... Absolutely not his fault. He put a pass into the hands of Jonathan Stewart. And I, it, I, I not only did he not that... catch it, he just volleyed it to a defender. That was the most frustrating uh, moment of that game to me. Uh, you just got to make the little plays. Because if you don't make a little play, the other team can make a big play. Yeah, and Stewart had... Minus four yards rushing, which were the least technically since it's negative, the least yeah. of rushing yards since uh, like 2002 or something. Yeah, the only bright spots we really had were that Keekly is not real. He did not have a bad concussion, if he had a concussion at all. Some of the news reports are still conflicting, conflicting yeah. and I'm not really sure, but he's probably going to play on Sunday against the Bears. 
Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, nine catches, 99 yards. But a diving catch for a first that down. That was a beautiful catch. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had 10 catches. Yeah, He's he, really coming on as our, our leading receiver, honestly. Yeah, he's on pace to get 99 receptions for the year. 99? Yes, and the w- rookie record is Anquan Bolden, who had 101. And he's a wide receiver. Yes. And so that's why the Panthers picked McCaffrey. Now, I like McCaffrey, but I just... I wasn't I haven't always been a fan of taking running backs that high, especially when you see Chicago get Tarek Cohen in the fourth round. And I'm like, yeah, why Kareem didn't we get... Hunt also in the third round? Yeah. Probably the best back in this class, honestly. He just coming off an injury from I think McCaffrey's year, but... just a couple plays from, you know, breaking somebody's ankles or breaking out of a shoestring. I think tackle. Christian McCaffrey is being used in the wrong scheme. I think I mean, I'm not let's not talk about Mike Shula right now, but I really think Stewart needs to be run in the middle. And McCaffrey needs to be run outside. Like that screen that we threw to Stewart that was intercepted should have been thrown to McCaffrey. And part of that is just a, the defense is a, always expecting that to McCaffrey. And so yes. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that being changed up. I mean, we had a touchdown pass to Fozzie Whitaker because yeah. half the defense in New England yeah, went to exactly. McCaffrey. Exactly. And that's the good play calling that I want to expect. But still, even if he had gotten the ball, it would have been outside. So Moving on to the Bears game. That's who we're playing on Sunday at 1 p.m. Yes. The Bears have a new Chicago. starting quarterback. They have a new starting quarterback, <laughs> Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. A rookie. Yeah. The number two overall pick who the Bears mortgaged the future to get. Yeah, they traded up for him. I think they still would have got him. They wouldn't have even had to trade up for him. But uh, that, that's besides the point. So I, what did you think of Trubisky for his play on Sunday? I he think, got his first start. I think he played... Pretty well. I mean, the um, the Bears got the win against the Ravens in overtime. Uh, the Ravens came back with a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown. So the Bears overall played some pretty solid defense, but Trubisky didn't really make that many mistakes, I think, is the main thing. And honestly, I, I'm not going to judge Trubisky until that team gets some more talent around him. Yeah. Because they have two running backs, they have Zach Miller, and they have... Uh, Kendall Wright. At Kendall receiver. Wright, yeah. And... I can't name any of their other receivers, honestly. They've yeah, had everyone's so been many injuries. injuries. Yeah. yeah, Cam Meredith came out of yeah. nowhere to have a great year last year. And then Kevin White was a top 10 pick and top yeah. 5 pick, and he's been injured now. I will say, we cannot overlook the Bears, obviously. I mean, they just beat the Ravens, but I, I am expecting a win. The Bears have one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL with Jordan Howard and Terry Yeah, Cohen. Julius Peppers, actually. I saw an article. He was uh, giving advice to all the Panthers players, all the defenders, Telling him what to expect from Jordan Howard because he he played against him twice last year as a member of the Packers. Yeah, and it's not like we're not unfamiliar with John Fox, but I'm so glad he is no longer yes. the coach in Carolina. That he is the coach over in Chicago. Yeah, he was the first version of Ron Rivera. I'm fine with the Bears, and I really do like Cohen, a little scat back out of NCANT. He's really, really, really fun to watch. But hopefully, he won't have a good game this week because we do have some really good linebackers, and hopefully, Keekley can play. And David if Mayo he can't will be all right. I honestly think. Yeah, and physically, David Mayo is 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 pretty good. I think he could start for some teams, but he's just he's not Keekly. So hopefully, we'll have Keekly back for that game again. That's one o'clock on Sunday versus the Bears. Speaking of Sunday, uh, let's move on to our picks for the week. You seem very eager to move on to this section of the show, John. I'm 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 not understanding this, given the fact that um, <clears throat> you're you went zero and two last week. Yeah. Which brought your record to <clears throat> six and six. Stop clearing your throat. Versus me, <laughs> um, I'm nine and three. Yes, I'm six and zero in the last three weeks. Yes, as I pat myself on the back again, okay. I actually patted myself on the back. All right. So, are you ready to get two more games wrong this week? I kind of think you just jinxed yourself, but did a- I? Now? Anyways, right. I don't know. Let's go. You would say that being yeah. behind three games. I got the 49ers over the Cowboys this week. Uh, your the, upset? Yes, that's my upset. The 49ers have lost. Some very close games since getting blown out by Carolina in week one. An NFL record um, five straight by three points or less. Yeah, they're starting C.J. Beathard. Beathard. C.J. Beathard. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I kind of like him, honestly. I, I, watched, I saw good things from him. I watched Only interception versus, he threw was forced. Yeah, and I watched him versus the Redskins. They were down 17 nothing. They yanked Hoyer, put Beathard in, and then that game, he, Beathard tied Completely the game. turned, yeah. Yeah. Well, my upset of the week is Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers, who have won two straight games. I agree with that, honestly, Yeah, over the Broncos. They're going to beat the Broncos. Yeah. I, but, I, Broncos have some injuries. I agree with you. Yeah, plus, you know, they just don't have as good a quarterback as Phillip Rivers is. But, John, let me t- what, what you're going to mortgage your future on, the game that you'll guarantee will be a W this week. Who is guaranteed to win? I hate to say it, but the Saints over the Packers, obviously, we no. saw Aaron Rodgers' injury. Uh, he's Saints are 3-2. Yeah, Saints are three and two. They're in the playoff picture. Um, 
I think Brent Hundley throws a lot of interceptions, as we saw a Saints defense that scored three touchdowns last week. Um, yeah, I just I don't think it'll be close. Honestly, New Orleans fans should just thank Cam Newton for how badly he played versus them because that was a game that they played really well, and then now all of a sudden the New Orleans defense is really good, which is <laughs> also confusing my small brain. But anyway, my lock of the week that I guarantee you will happen is I'm saying the Vikings, whether it be Case Keenum or Sam Bradford, are going to defeat the Baltimore Ravens, and that is a guarantee. You can take it to the bank, lock it in a safe, and draw interest on it for the next however many years you do that loan, John. Yeah, I agree with you. So, on, okay. What? Yeah. yeah, I do. I think you're just changing, because you, you normally disagree with me, and you're wrong, so maybe you're just changing it up to kind of get the Maybe the I'm luck. just ticked off because you're cocky. Yeah, well, of course I am. I'm 6-0 the last three weeks. Okay. I'm just like a fortune teller over right. here. Let's uh, real quick mention our stardom and sit for this week and move on to the NBA. So who's your start of the week in fantasy football? Definitely the Saints defense. They're playing a young quarterback, very inexperienced against a team where their strength was their quarterback. They had scored three touchdowns on Sunday. I like the Saints defense in a matchup with the Packers, but I don't like Jordy Nelson obviously, because I want to start the Saints defense. I think Brenton Hundley's going to struggle getting him the ball. He's going to get sacked a lot. Not going to be pretty. So Nelson is your bencham, and yes. the Saints defense is your must-start of the week. My yes. must-start of the week is Jarek McKinnon, the running back in Minnesota who's taken over since Dalvin Cook went down with an ACL injury to be out for the year. And my must-sit is A.J. Green versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that may be a surprising pick, but the Steelers have allowed the least amount of points to wide receivers and I just think A.J. Green is kind of, I don't know, due for a down week, as most receivers will have, which Julio Jones has had a down week all year, and it's kind of like I have him in two leagues, and it's very irritating. He hasn't scored a touchdown. Hopefully he might break through, but sit A.J. Green and start Jarek McKinnon if you haven't already done that. This brings me to one of our, my favorite parts of the show today. One of my favorite things about the sports is the Charlotte Hornets. Yes. Hashtag Bud City. Yes. Uh, let's go ahead and answer our trivia question. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the leading scorer in Charlotte Hornets history is none other than Del Curry, the father of Charlotte's own Steph Curry and Seth Curry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just under 10,000 points for his career with the Hornets. Um, Kemba Walker, I think he's about three or four seasons from passing that. But, I mean, Del Curry was a fan favorite for the original Hornets franchise, who, of course, moved to New Orleans, but still part of our history. We love Del Curry. Did you so Dell is short for Wardell. Did you know Steph Curry's name? Wardell is, Jr. Yeah. Yeah. That would be terrible. Wardell Stephen Curry. That's such a cool name, in my opinion. Uh, Ward, Wardell Stephen Curry. A good decision to go with Steph for his <laughs> entire life. Anyway, so the Hornets are playing tonight at seven o'clock. They're playing the Detroit Pistons. They're about even. We uh last year they're both teams that are usually on the cusp of that playoff hunt. I yeah. personally think the Hornets are gonna be better this year. Yeah, we made more acquisitions in the offseason, honestly. Yeah, including Dwight Howard. Yeah, I think Dwight Howard, uh the double double machine, um is gonna be a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just gonna go hmm to that because I don't put, know. He's put up a double double in every season in his career. Um I look for him to have a resurgence. Steve Clifford was on the coaching staff in Orlando. Uh he's of course the Charlotte Hornets head coach. I think Steve Clifford's going to win Coach of the Year this year. Just one of my predictions. I like that prediction. So mm-hmm. for a number of wins, what would you uh, say for the Hornets? I don't think we'll be a 50-win team, but I think we're going to win 49 games. Just under 50. I think we're going to go 49-33 and 33 with uh, a lot of our wins coming in the Eastern Conference, the very weak Eastern Conference. Yep, all the talent Especially, migrated west. Yeah, and the only talent that came east just broke their ankle in half. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I think 49 wins. I think we're the third, fourth, maybe fifth seed in the East. Um, I really like to have a comeback season, honestly. I'm excited. I'll go ahead and I'll be more optimistic than you. I think we get 52 wins wow, probably. Okay. It's not like a huge difference from 49. Yeah, but, but 50 wins still, it just seems like a lot in my head. You know, In the past, we have struggled in the post-defense, and that's partly because we for a large chunk of the season, Cody Zeller was out, and he's a very underrated player, and we had a abysmal record when he didn't play something like four and 20 something when Zeller missed time yes so he's now splitting time with Howard and Howard has dipped since his days in Orlando when Clifford was an assistant coach there and you talked about maybe a possible resurgence to his career but he's always been really good on defense and he's still really good and that's what the Hornets were missing in years past with Al Jefferson at center so you might see Zeller playing his more natural power forward position and 
uh, you know, Frank Kaminsky coming in. He's more of that power forward type. So we now have a true center in Howard. You know, we we got talent in Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon, who, by the way, are expected to play significant minutes yes. for this season. These guys are going to contribute to the team. Yeah, Steve Clifford actually just announced today at the um, the media press conference before the game the starters for tonight: Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, Dwayne Bacon, Marvin Williams, and Dwight Howard. So Dwayne Bacon, our second round draft pick, getting to start at small forward for the in- injured MKG. Yeah, and that's another guy that missed time last year. And yeah. throughout his career, he's not, he's had trouble with you know staying healthy, but he's a really good player. The Hornets are just really deep this year. That's why I think they're going to be a lot better. And yeah. also, what? they got Michael Carter Williams, a good backup point guard. And like we talked, I've talked with you previously. Backup point guard is a really important position in the I, NBA. I honestly think Malik Monk is going to play a lot more backup point guard than people think when Nicholas Batum comes back. Mm-hmm. And I think Michael Carter Williams is going to be an afterthought, provided there's no injuries. So when you look at a healthy MKG coming back, a healthy Nick Batum coming back, you got that second unit: Monk, Lamb, and uh, Dwayne Bacon, along with Cody Zeller and Frank Kaminsky. That is a terrific second unit, honestly. Probably one of the best in the league, um, expecting, of course, that Malik Monk is going to be capable of that backup point guard yeah, position. And another thing that the Hornets have struggled with is three-point shooting. And then they got Marco Bellinelli and Marvin Williams, and they got better. We lost Bellinelli, but we acquired Malik Monk. Who and is, Dwayne Bacon, who yes. can knock down the three. Yes. So, and now we, of course, have... Dwight can shoot threes, too, as he claims. <laughs> really? He, he, he actually made one in a preseason game. I think it went one for two. But, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to him taking a corner three if we're up by 30, maybe even 50. Uh, probably not going to happen this season. But Does he know that the free throw line is closer than the three-point line? He probably shoots better from the three-point line. Just just say. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm wondering how that, how that even works. You get a free open shot and you can't make it. And that's uh, your only job. Moving on to the general NBA, uh, we had the, the first two games of the season last Opening night. Opening night? Yeah, the in my opinion, until Gordon Hayward's injury, the four best teams in the league, the Celtics, the Cavaliers, and the Rockets, and the Warriors, uh, the Cavs won a close one by three. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all I'm going to say about Gordon Hayward's ankle injury is um, he's in my thoughts and prayers. That is one of the worst injuries I've ever seen. He broke his tibia and his fibia, and he dislocated his ankle. Wow. I did not watch the game. I kind of saw it on social media mm-hmm. afterwards. And hopefully he's able to come back from it. And a lot of players are speaking up about it, like you know Paul mm-hmm. George is contributing. Paul George had a very yeah. similar injury, yeah, and he came back in a USA scrimmage. But, so yeah, I think Hayward will be okay, but he's most certainly done for the season. Yes, done so he for has the to season. Repair that. Yeah, but the games. Kyrie's team now. The games were pretty good last night. Yeah, the Rockets beat the Warriors in a very close game where the Rockets came back in the fourth quarter. Um, Kevin Durant, he hit a shot at the buzzer, but his finger was on the ball with 0.1 seconds left. So the Rockets won 122 to 121. Yeah. That's kind of interesting that Kevin Durant was taking that shot, though. You have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant's taking that shot. Interestingly enough, yeah, Chris Paul, uh, actually, Steph Curry took the shot and then, um, got the rebound and, or Kevin Durant got the rebound and then shot it, but it was too late. Yeah, just too late. 0.1 seconds. Yeah, that must that was that was in that was in the Oracle too. That was must have been a those bandwagon fans must have gotten really upset about that. Yeah, Spe- <laughs> no, it was on Ring Night. If you're in the stadium, then you're you're not a bandwagon fan. I don't oh, think. come on! But, There's a reason stadiums fill up when teams get good. It's bandwagon and the Warriors. Yeah, but nobody wants to see. I mean, if you're in San Francisco or Oakland, you're not a bandwagon just because you pull for them because they win. You're a bandwagon if you don't pull for them when they're not good, and then you pull for them when they are good. That's my definition. Unless of a you have another team, but let's let's not debate that right now. What I wanted to say was that Chris Paul was actually held out of most of the fourth quarter last night. Really? Yeah, and he was not really on the floor for the Rockets' comeback. Uh, ben Gordon was doing a lot of the shooting guard duties, and James Harden took over as point guard. I mean, excuse me, not Ben Gordon, Eric, Eric Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, there's always been two Gordons, but um. Yeah, Chris Paul held out. I'm not sure if he's on a minutes restriction. He honestly wasn't playing that well. I think they just wanted to get out of there with a win and worry about um, making that offense work later. But and Harden, I've saw it is some something to watch. Harden had a good game as well, and so mm. NBA opening night had some really good basketball games. Of course, every pretty much everybody else is playing tonight on Wednesday night, including the Charlotte Hornets. I hope they get the W. You can also yes. download the Hornets app and you can listen to their play-by-play, which is something I did. If you're in North Carolina, year. which yeah. all of you listeners are, unless you're downloading our podcast from the future on iTunes. 
from the future. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're, from the future. You're confusing me a little bit here. My small brain can't wrap my mind around it. Benjamin, real quick, who's your picks for MVP and Rookie of the Year this year? I'm going to say Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo, you're close. I, that's what I said. <laughs> okay. We'll review We'll review the footage. It's exactly what I said, John. And I'm going to say he's going to be my MVP. Like, no one else is ever going to say that. And I don't know, Rookie of the Year... I guess I'll have to go with Dennis Smith Jr. Okay. What about you? I love Dennis Smith, but I think my rookie of the year is going to be Jason Tatum. Because, really? Yeah, especially with the uh, the Gordon Hayward injury. Tatum was already starting last night at power forward for Markeith Morris, but since um, Hayward's out, I think we're going to see him move over to the small forward position. He might not get the start. and They might start Jalen Brown, but if he does start, I'm looking for him to put up numbers in Gordon Hayward's absence. He can already shoot the three. He had a double-double last night in his first career nice. game. Yeah. So I really like uh, Jason Tatum. My MVP is none other than LeBron James. I really think he's going to absolutely carry the Cavs this year. Um, 29-16-9 and last night, nearly a triple-double. He made every play for them in the late stages of the game. The king reigns supreme. The king. He really is the king. In my opinion, the greatest of all time, greater oh, than Michael Jordan. You got a good thing you mentioned this at the end of the program. You'd get some people upset if mm. it was mid-program. We might have to deal with some of people. Anyway, <laughs> so that's enough for the NBA. Really quick before we uh, before we go away for the evening, the MLB playoffs. Just an update. What's been going on there? Uh, yeah, the NLCS game four is tonight. The Dodgers lead three nothing. Uh, game four is in Chicago. Um. Personally, I'm a Cubs fan, but I, have one, I think this series is already over. One burning question. Yes. Did you wear your jersey and watch the games that they lost? Yes. So the streak is over. The st- you ended the streak, John. <laughs> yeah, the streak I cannot is, I didn't end it. the streak. Um, you ended it, but John. As a Cubs fan, though, um, I, I've seen them come back from down 3-1 in the World Series, but not against a team like this. The Dodgers have the best bullpen. They have the best starting uh, pitchers. And their offense is just unbelievable. For what it's worth, before the playoffs started, you said the Dodgers would win the World yes. Series. And the Astros, who are also tied at two games apiece with the Yankees in the ALD, ALCS. And I'm really, I don't have any predictions for that series. I thought the Astros were going to go to the World Series uh, before the playoffs. The Yankees have really surprised me. Uh, their bats have come alive. Aaron Judge, the rookie, he's a beast, man. I mean, honestly. I just don't like the Yankees, and that's my baseball take. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a but lot of fun. I am very close. Three games, and I will have my World Series predictions right. And I, I of course, predicted the oh, Dodgers. I thought win. you were talking about the three games that you're behind me in the NFL picks. Oh, my gosh. I, right. I don't know. I just it's had a long, ref- long season. <laughs> that's okay. I'm just going to stay in you front. You can gloat now so that that's later I can I do ha- it. I have to gloat while I'm on top. It's yeah. no fun if you don't the, gloat. Yeah, the, I mean, the Vikings started 5-0 and last year, so enjoy it while you're there. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I will enjoy it, John. All right. Okay, I when will. When you lose that, what are you going to say? I, I, what, are you, what are you going to say to I me? I won't talk trash. All right. <laughs> but I'm not going to lose it. Dude, see, you got to have the Kobe mentality. Oh, we're running a little over, but i got to say this. you got to have the Kobe mentality. Even when you're down 40, you talk trash. Even when you're 0 for 12, you shoot the three. <laughs> I enjoyed the show today. <laughs> that was I, a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I uh, hope you as a listener enjoyed the show. Thank you for making us a part of your day. You can follow us on Twitter. You can listen to us on SoundCloud if you miss any of the episodes of the show. And in the next 24 hours... You can listen to us on iTunes. Thanks for always doing the show with me. John, I appreciate you, and I'll see you next week.